Hello and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I'm your host, Gabe Peterson, and this is the place investors go to gain actionable advice, learn about current market trends, and hear war stories from other professional investors out there in the field today. Before we get started, I have two quick housekeeping items for you. First, if you like this episode, we would very much appreciate a like, subscribe, and share. It is the best way to support the show and keep it running far into the future. Second, if you're a new investor looking to get started in real estate or an experienced investor looking to take your investing to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you that will cover how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance those deals with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. On top of that, I throw in an insane amount of free bonuses that you'll have access to once you buy the ebook. All I charge is our admin costs to keep this show running. So if you're serious about real estate investing and want to create both active and passive income as an investor, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com and click on the button that says, get the ebook in the upper right-hand corner to grab yourself a copy. With that said, let's dive right in. Today, we have a very special guest with us ready to drop some investor knowledge on you. So buckle up, grab your pen and paper and enjoy the ride. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Ryan Grown with us. Ryan is a former professional, former finance professional. Every time I screw up this intro, but we're going to get it right this time. Former finance professional and current mobile home professional with eight parks in his portfolio spreading across 400 lots in the Midwest and Southeast. He also serves as the director of operations for Buckeye Communities, where he oversees the operations of over 500 lots spread across eight parks in Ohio and Michigan. I'm super excited to have Ryan here. He is a MHP pro just like me, so we're going to have some good conversations. Ryan, thank you very much for hopping on the show. How are you today? Good. How are you, Gabe? I appreciate you having me on the show and uh, hoping to add some value and bring your listeners some uh mobile home park insights as you and I, uh, you know, we were in the trenches and we love them. Um, and they're, you know, seems like everybody, everybody's cup of coffee nowadays versus when I got into it back in 2015, everybody kind of was like, what you're doing what? And now it's like <laughs> everybody owns one or is invested in a fund or something. So yep. it's more mainstream. Yeah, 2015, that's only six years ago, but still you're like an OG for it when it comes to mobile home parks. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, you got guys like, you know, Brandon with bigger pockets. I mean, I think that's pretty much uh, changed it. Basically, you know, they they have a big platform and they're raising a ton of money. But um, so, yeah, excited to get into this. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was telling you before the show, we always start out with stories. We like to hear how people kind of got to where we are today. Um, So I know 2012, you graduated. This is not even 10 years later. So how has your story kind of progressed? Where did you, how'd you get started in real estate in the first place? Yeah. So uh, like everybody, uh, at least most people have either heard of or read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, So I read that in college, um, was a finance major. They trained us to basically out of college to basically, you know, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go work on Wall Street or you're going to work for a Fortune 500 company, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, went that path out of college, but had in the back of my mind, the rich dad, poor dad mentality. You know, I grew up, my parents were always looking at businesses. They actually never purchased anything, but um, they, had, they had that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, but never pulled the trigger, right? They were a little scared or didn't want to take the risk or whatever. So I, I had that kind of 
uh, DNA back 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 when I grew up and and in college I had that kind of implanted in my mind. So when I graduated, you know, I need a job. I a college job. I go work for a Fortune 500 company for four or five years. Uh, kind of stumble upon parks. I you know looked at buying laundromats, car washes, duplexes, apartment buildings, everything under the sun. And then That's I just funny. I look. Laundromats, that was something that I that I was super excited about too. I was laundromats and car washes. That was something yeah. I looked at before. Because <laughs> cash businesses, you know, easy to manage, like something that's semi-passive, but yet yep. has high cash flow, right? Based on what you're investing. So so that's what drew me initially to that. Um, and then I looked at flipping a mobile home. Now, I, I actually was gonna do a live-in flip on a mobile home in a nice mobile home park in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I'm from. Didn't end up doing that, kind of went down the rabbit hole of who owns parks. Um, went to Frank and Dave's boot camp in 2015, um, back in Austin, and then um, got home, got the bug, and just kind of sent out mailers, sent out calls. And back in the day, you could send out mailers and you could get a good response. I mean, people were not sending out mailers like they are now. Um, and I'd missed a bunch of opportunities because I had no real estate experience, and I was still, I was like 25. Um, so I just kind of like, I didn't know what I what I didn't know. Right back then, if I would have known, I would have pushed even harder. Um, to get something. Um, so anyways, fast forward, took me three years to buy my first park, um, bunch under contract, move cities, you know, life events happen. Uh, bought my first park in 2018. Uh, and it was a 75 state community in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, never owned any other real estate. That was my first purchase. And nice. then uh, not even a house, forward, not even a, nope, your own. Wow. Nothing, nothing. I still to this day, I'm actually sitting in my apartment in Charleston, um, it's, uh, I know it's a weird thing for most people, but I went Amen. full, full bore with a couple <laughs> partners and bought, you know, 75 spaces. So here we are, um, you know, three years later, um, nine parks and thousands of lots managed and looked at and, um, bunch of different cities, bunch of different states and, you know, continuing to look to grow. And, um, you know, I've sold some parks, I've wholesaled parks and I've, I've done almost, uh, everything short of like 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 basically fixing the the mobile homes themselves as far as the the park space is involved so nice man i love it i love uh <clears throat> stories that kind of you know you started out with rich dad poor dad your parents kind of gave you that bug um i actually rich dad poor dad that was the book that i read too i feel like everybody get gets started with that one book even though there's not a lot of like you know tactics <clears throat> and what to do it's just it's a good primer almost to like this is how you should be living your life when it comes to finances so yeah um, exactly yep that's awesome you went to frank and dave um you know so you're not the first person that i've talked to who, who really got their bug um through frank and dave so how how much do you think that actually you know going to that platform talking to, to people who owned mobile home parks themselves how much do you think that kind of spurred on your own investments it sounds like it took three years after that to buy your first park right yeah, it took a while. I mean, it took me a while just because um, I either was still just really naive. I had parks under contract and I was close. I just couldn't pull the trigger. Um, so it's not like I wasn't out there doing it. Um, it just sometimes takes the, you know, the right one to to make it work. So, you know, it, that definitely put me over the hump because I spent, you know, a few thousand dollars on the boot camp. And, and while I learned a lot, I met more people and I learned more about, hey, there's another way to this. And and I also was uh, a little bit more, I guess, unique because I was probably the youngest person there. Um, there was, you know, mainly people in their 30s and 40s and, and 50s and even older that had been doing it for a while or had been doing real estate investing as a whole. Um, and, and honestly, when I was in Austin, they had a potential when we were on the bus going to a park, they warned us that they might be picketers um, because they had raised a lot rent and it had gotten on the news and all kinds of fun yeah. stuff. So I was like, 
and then you know walking through parks i really had no experience like being in parks and you know they're not as bad as what everybody thinks now there are some that are bad don't get me wrong but we typically are buying in really good areas where you know the school district's good or we're buying in working class neighborhoods where people are just looking for you know safe clean affordable housing and we're here to provide it and help uh, save america i guess is uh, i like to tell myself sometimes so yep. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that that surprised me when I when I got into mobile home parks is um, I had kind of had this this conception that all mobile home parks were just filled with criminals, um, and that's just not the case. I mean, they're 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 really nice parks out there with uh, with the great communities in them. Sure, there are some bad apples out there, but um, you know most of them are 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 good. They're they're quality affordable housing options out there. So um, yeah, I went through the same thing. Glad you went to it too. Uh, so it's. I wanted to go back, you know, you are, have a lot of experience, um, in operations and that's a really, you know, tough point for a lot of people getting the operations down. They can do the due diligence, they can find the properties. Um, but they, you know, getting a really clean system running is difficult for them. So I want to go into that before we do though. Um, you mentioned you couldn't pull the trigger. Um, you know, those three years you were in the trenches, you were working, you were marketing, talking to sellers, but you couldn't get down to the point that you actually pulled the trigger. I've had experience, you know, with that kind of trepidation. And I know a lot of people out there listening, watching are in that same boat. They want to do it. They, you know, they're thinking about mobile home parks, but they just can't pull the trigger. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody like that? Like what, what kind of got you to the point where you decided, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to buy this part. Uh, I don't think there's any one point. It's just at that at that time in your life that you're either financially financially capable, um, you have the time, or you have enough knowledge to where it gets you over the hump, right? So um, I would say that I was looking too small. I was looking at smaller deals, and I was mm. trying to run them from afar. So like when I say small, under 30 units, right? Now, if you're buying a park, a mobile home park, and it's 30 units, and it's in your hometown, or it's an hour away, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something to, to buying 50 units or even 100 units and above to where you can buy from afar so you can employ uh, on-site staff. I think that was a big driver for me was um, I didn't really have any other options. Um, I had gotten let go of, of corporate America, shown the door, and then moved to Cleveland and got another job. And, um, you know, uh, just kind of, you know, I was kind of at my wit's end and just kind of was. I needed it to happen versus uh, uh, necessarily wanting it to happen. I, I wanted it really bad, but um, you know, it was the right deal, right time, right place. And it just kind of fell in and, and, you know, and I think I was looking for the wrong thing uh, at, in the beginning. I thought smaller was okay. And I should have just went 50 spaces and above and made that my minimum. So. Yep. Yep. I uh, couldn't agree more. There's a lot to be said um, for being able to hire a property manager that I feel like that's really the cutoff is can you hire a property manager, have them on site? Um, Cause that really makes the deal an investment versus uh, versus, you know, a full-time business that you have to go to and run every single day. So, mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about ops. Uh, ops is a hard thing. You do a lot of turnaround. Um, I mean, there's a lot of steps that go to it. Uh, the first one, let's just use a case study. Actually, let's use a park that I'm looking at right now. It's, it is 30 pads. It's out in um, Tulsa and it has nine park owned homes um, and there are 23 spaces occupied. Um, what would you do? What are the first steps that you do to go in and, uh, and turn a park around? I mean, if I didn't own anything close or if I didn't have boots on the ground, 
assuming your lot rents not four or five hundred dollars, I would probably pass on the deal. But that aside, assuming it's a good investment or you're planning on buying more in the area, which is which is it gets you in the area and you can build around that. So there's there's more to that there. So assuming that, you know, uh, that park, I mean, it's it, I can't really answer it fully because it's a it's a small park, right? So what mm-hmm. let's let's uh, you can't do all the things that you would maybe do if you had a 75 space park, right? So that 30 space park, the first thing I would do is that you're going to want somebody that lives in the park to be like your not necessarily manager, right? Um, they're going to be more like your your like person that oversees the, the eyes and ears of the community. Maybe they pass out some notices for you. Maybe they they don't collect the rent. You want to outsource that. You know, the phone calls, maybe they take it. You could probably outsource that as well or just make it an automated system that you check once or twice a day. I mean, typically there's not a lot of things going on. Um, you could make them the manager, but it's not going to be a ton of pay for them. So they probably will have another job or have have to have another source of income. And if they don't, then you can be in trouble, right? Because then they're um, then they're wanting, you know, more money or they're, you know, you want somebody that uh, has the nicest house or or has some of the nicest houses, or you have to bring somebody out from the from the outside and, and give them one of your park on homes or something like that, right? So first thing I would do is I would try to, I would be there um, day of closing. I would either have identified or ask the old owner who they thought were the best. And then um, I would try to get rid of those park on homes as quick as possible as well. So, um, you know, we're going in day one, we're passing out packets. Here's how you pay. These are the rules. Uh, this is, we need everybody's information, right? Because the old owner probably doesn't have the names and numbers and cell phones and cars or dogs and cats or whatever else they got in that house. Um, we typically pass out a resident data package. We tell them to text it or email it to us. That way we have their contact information or we do allow them to give it to our manager if we have one. Um, typically I don't, if anything, I have a PO box. I don't put any mailing address. I don't put anything. It's a phone number that's either like Grasshopper or some other internet based, uh, phone company and an email that's dedicated to the park. Um, now if it's a pretty stable park, I mean, you know, it, it depends on what the value add is there. But, um, from what I would do is I would probably raise the lot rent, um, you know, 5% at a minimum, if it's way under market or if it's that market, you know, three to 5% annually, right? Get everybody on leases, uh, enforce some cleanups. You know, if you have to set the standard day one, then you have to do that if it's a turnaround. And most of the times when we're buying these parks, we have massive delinquency lists. We have uh, some just mismanaged um, like operational pieces, right? They maybe have a manager that they shouldn't have and they're, they could be stealing money. There could be a lot of things, right? Or they could have, um, for instance, um, a lot of times, we took over a park that was, they had individual trash cans and they had dumpsters. So the first thing we did, we canceled the dumpsters. Um, we bought out the contract and just got out of it. Uh, another thing I do is um, I will try to like add additional revenue, right? What can I do to add additional sources of revenue? Even though it might not seem like a lot, you, it's just little things. And what can I build back to the residents or switch, right? Can I switch from a dumpster to individual trash cans? Because it not only makes your park look cleaner, you don't have to deal with illegal dumping. And um, you can also potentially build that back. I would also submeter if it's city water, city sewer, and that's an option. This is a three to five year plan, right? You're not doing this in the first 60 days. This is all, you might submeter and switch out the billing and, and that stuff, but you're, you're doing incremental raises or um, one thing at a time. And then you're also adding value to the park, right? So little things like fences, signs, cleaning up all the trees, which is expensive for us as landlords, but it also saves a lot of things. And if you have overhead wires, you can call the energy company a lot of times. And if you negotiate with them a little bit, 
and barter or even complain a lot or you have residents complain, they'll come out and trim the trees. Um, and then we offer simple, simple things like uh, to the residents. We offer, um, if there's a lot of skirting that's missing, which is goes onto the home, um, we actually offer assistance, right? We say, hey, we'll provide the skirting, we'll install it. Um, and if you can't afford it, we'll bill it back on a monthly basis. Or, hey, here's the skirting. Can we, we'll, we'll, we'll make an agreement with you. Let's reset your lot rent higher or something. We'll, we'll, we won't worry about the skirting price that might cost us $800. Let's reset your lot rent of, let's say it's 300. We now go to 350 or something. I don't know, something in between to where, you know, you're, you're bartering out there. And then, you know, if you got to get rid of people, you got to get rid of people. And um, you want to rip off the bandaid if you have to evict people. So that's what, I mean, it's a lot, right? I already have all the systems in place. I already have how they're going to pay rent. How am I going to collect rent? How am I going to manage them paying rent and, and notices, right? Um, and then what am I going to do about uh, the park on homes, right? So you have nine park on homes. It's a pretty big uh, inventory list for 30 spaces. So um, I would try to sell those as quick as possible, assuming they're not newer homes. Um, I would maybe even give them away for like a thousand bucks or something, but you might have to churn that tenant base and you just have to be prepared for that mentally. Um, and I would try to walk those homes and, and get the list in during due diligence. So I know what items, you know, and action calls to action I have to do when I take over the property. So. Perfect, man. I love it that you, I can definitely hear the experience in your, in your, uh, in your response. There's uh, you pretty much covered everything that you definitely, that you need to do when you, when you take on a new part. Um, and yeah, to answer your question, we're actually, so we're buying that 30 pad and then there's, there's like a thousand mobile home parks in Tulsa. It's amazing. Um, yeah. so, so we were, our plan was to, to buy and then, um, expand. So I like that. Good answers. Um, we've already crushed the 20 minute mark, so I need to push us into the quick question round. Are you ready for it? I am. All right. Always starts with books cause I'm a big bookie. So give me two book recommendations, one for general life wisdom and one for, uh, real estate specific. Uh, one for just general wisdom is my, the recent book I'm listening to. It's called uh, Tim Grover's new book called Winning. I think it's the second in his series. Um, Tim Grover is Michael Jordan's old coach, Kobe Bryant's all oh, that nice. good stuff. Um, and then just real estate knowledge is probably uh, Sam Zell's autobiography. Uh, I forget what it's called. Yeah. Um... I think I read that it's like yeah it's it's pretty good he's the biggest park investor and then anything mobile home park related i mean it it you can't be overkill if you're focusing on a certain asset class so yep, yep for sure um moving on so habits habits are the foundation of our life so if you could point to one thing that you do day in and day out that you feel contributes the most to your overall health well-being and success what would that be uh i drink coffee uh, lots of it to do with uh, unruly residents. No, but seriously, uh, I typically try to look at one deal or I uh, talk to one person typically daily um, in order to um, just better look at getting more deals or connecting with somebody else because I never know who I'm going to need or, or what they're going to need from me in the future. And most of the time, most of my deals have come through networking. So that's that's actually... Uh, what I like to do daily is look at deals, real estate related. And then health-wise, um, I'm not a good example of that. Actually, that's probably the one thing I'm lacking in my life is um, I'm the most out of shape I've been. I gained COVID 20 versus losing 20. So I'm, I'm on the bad <laughs> There's end. There's no the shame spectrum. in that. There's no shame so in that. <laughs> I, I know that. Um, but 
it, it is what it is. And I'm trying to, you know, take like 5,000 steps a day minimum because my steps are terrible. So that's kind of what my, my goal has been. So. Nice. I love it. And Hey man, I mean, I gained weight. I think every single one of my friends gained weight in COVID. So it's a, it's a universal problem. <clears throat> All right, moving on. Um, yes. To your younger self, <clears throat> excuse me. So if you could go back to the Ryan, um, pre 2012, who had no experience in real estate, he's probably thinking of a finance career out in corporate America. Go to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. I would say uh, attach yourself to somebody uh, that is doing what you want to do and buy mobile home parks as as quickly as possible. Because if I had bought stuff in 2012 when I graduated college versus now, I mean, that... um, Shoot, I probably wouldn't. Uh, I'd be way, way, way more well off than than uh, what I am, I guess now. So, no, that's that is great, and man, that sentiment has been echoed. I don't know how many times on this uh, on this podcast. Attach yourself to someone who is doing what you want to do. That is great advice, um, and then get started earlier. I I wish I got started earlier too. So, uh, pretty much any if you. If you if you're out there, you're listening, you've not bought your first whatever it is you want to buy, just go do it. Just get the first one done. That is the important piece. And the reason for starting earlier is compound interest. So that's another reason why you would start early. So there you go. Uh, all right. So moving on. All right. So this is an opportunity for you to brag a little bit. We all have strengths. We all have things that we are specifically good at. You are no different. So what is your Superman strength? What are you exceptional at? Uh, connecting with others and kind of, um, I guess just looking at the overall picture of, uh, just deals and what might fit somebody's life. Right. I'm actually, um, wouldn't call it like a, I just naturally, like, I I'm happy to talk to people about deals and I don't mind doing it. It's not like it doesn't wear on me. I just naturally do it. Um, and then yeah, that's probably one of my strengths is just naturally, I guess, kind of forming a more of a coach mentality, I guess, per se. It's kind of a lack of a better term, um, but, you know, helping people out with my knowledge and experience. And then overall, also being um, one one thing a lot of Americans aren't willing to do is I'm willing to be a lot more uncomfortable than most people um, that I haven't lived in a park, but I'm not above living in a park. And I've been broke for a long time and a lot of people don't know how to leave that that salary that that drip um and it's tough i mean it really is and even when you have nothing um it's hard to go all in and and i've gone all in literally emptied my 401k and pushed it all in so i would actually say that i'm uh, that's my superpower is probably um i'm willing to push it all in to bet on myself on 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 certain occasions so. I love it. No, and that is what you have to do. It's funny. I was I was laughing when you said that. That's the same thing I did for my first deal. It wasn't a mobile home park. It was a duplex, but I, mm-hmm. I drained my 401k to buy it. And, uh, you know, if you have a dream, you got to do it. You got to take the risk. That's your uh, that's your super power. So I love to see that. Um, all right. Second to last question is about the United States. There are I got to actually figure this out one one time because I say this every episode, but there are, I don't know how many square miles out there in the United States. There has to be thousands, <laughs> millions even, um, which means there's a lot of opportunity to buy real estate. So what area in the United States are you most excited to purchase? Your next uh, 
uh, still the Southeast and the Midwest in growing metros because those um, most portions of the Southeast have continued to grow. Uh, here in Charleston, if I could buy something that was affordable, I definitely would because there's plenty of people coming here. Um, I mean, the Southeast grew, uh, if you just look at the charts and stuff, you know, you see what states grew home sales, people moving out and all that stuff, you know, that's what I'm I'm most excited about is probably the Southeast with parts of the Midwest. So, yep. Sounds good. There's a lot of people that are out, out doing that too, Florida, especially, um, which brings us to our last question. So you've given us a lot of good advice. I'm sure people want to reach out and uh, say hi, um, ask you about mobile home parks. So what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? Uh, social media, um, Facebook and Instagram. I'm on there with my name and my handle. Um, or you can go to my website, which you can put in the show notes, which is uh, themobilehomeparkinvestor.com. Um, it is outdated, but you can still contact me through that and it'll come to my email. Perfect. TheMobileHomeParkInvestor.com. I will put that in the show notes. So if you guys listening, watching, want to get in contact with Ryan, click a little more in the description. It'll pop down the full description in there. You can find the link, click through, say hi. And that concludes it. So Ryan, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Gabe. And hopefully uh, your listeners enjoy and they go out and buy a park or buy whatever or quit their job and live their dreams, I guess, like we are. So. <laughs> there you go. For everybody who's here with us on, with us today, thank you guys for showing up because you are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the realestateinvestingclub.com. Other than that, hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed putting it on and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can apply in your own investing today in the field. Before you go, we have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to invest, take your investing to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you available on our website. This ebook, ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find deals that are actually deals, how to finance a deal with little to no money down, and how to exit those deals for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I am throwing in a bundle of bonuses, seven of them to be exact. The first one will be the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems and processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating wealth in real estate. The second bonus is the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools, systems, and even the vendors we use to see the success that we do. And the third bonus is the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which is which will give you the exact keywords we use to target motivated sellers online using PPC ads. The fourth bundle is, or the fourth bonus is our contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all the contracts we use in the field to execute all different types of transactions. After that is the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. This is a lot of uh, of bonuses that I said. I'm just going to keep going down the list. 
Number six is the Investor's Daily Success Tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And the last bonus is the Wholesaler's Template for Quick Assignment Cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. Whew, that is a bundle. So it's a mouthful. You get all of those bonuses for free when you download the ebook. All we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you're interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page to take advantage of that deal. And with that said, I hope you have a fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the invest with us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.